My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing in preparing for life. I was the first in my class in college in computer science. I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. I'm now a covert agent, mercenary for any nation that wants to control another. I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. Chapter one. Okay, we have a lot to talk about, but just uh, let's get this out of the way. Introductions. I'm Tanner. Welcome to uh, Straight to Video. Um, we took the last two weeks off, but you know we're back again. It's me, Tanner, and I'm here with my illustrious co-hosts, David McMichael and Jenny K. Hello. Hey guys. What's that? I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but we're in austin-based podcast and um we are um fresh off a uh natural disaster um as officially declared by the government and wanted to give everybody a break and also you know we didn't have power when we were supposed to record this podcast previously um but i felt that it was important to come back uh with a neil brain vehicle (laughs) because I suspect that Neil Breen had something to do with the statewide power. I was going to say, he says he could cut off the water system for half the country, mm-hmm. shut down the power grid for a major city. He could literally do all the things that happened to us. And he was like, it's easy. Network centric warfare. <laughs> that's a real thing. If you Google that, it's a real, real term. Um, what does it mean? And I, I mean, it's like similar to like uh, chemical warfare or like biological warfare, warfare, but it's like um, concerning like information systems. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, How? otherwise known um, as chemical biological. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> or yeah, outsider art. <laughs> so. Depending on who you ask, this movie came out in 2005 or 2006. Um, I think most recently um, in Breen's uh, career retrospective, which he self-produced, um, which is very appropriate, uh, he, he stated that it came out in 2006. So let's stick with that. Uh, this is the first Neil Breen movie we're covering today. Um, it's a little different than the others, but I appreciate the fact that he... Um, debuts by doubling down (laughs) Um, (laughs) that feels uh very appropriate to me um jenny you are definitely the person who showed or introduced neil breen's uh (laughs) filmography to us um you're welcome what what what, yes (laughs) truly we are the most welcome (laughs) um What what's your take on uh Neil Breen's debut film? Um honestly, I find it very inspiring. I find most of his films very inspiring. It's like you know, I know he doesn't like to be brought up in the same sentence as say like a Tommy Wiseau or what have you, but I think he's really more elevated than that. Like 
he earnestly created this film. He saved his pennies. Like this was his power fantasy. And I think that's what we've seen throughout all of mm-hmm. his other films. Um, ex- especially uh, Fateful Findings, which I feel like is this movie recreated with a little bit more money in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I I would love to know more about, you know, like many mythical men, we want, we want to know their backstory. What's their origin story? And, you know, it's clear to me someone hurt him as a child, <laughs> mm. pro- probably around the age of seven. He fell in love, had his heart broken, never got over it, has a lot of issues with the government, corruption, you know, maybe had some insurance issues at some point. Um, and I think, like, we all deserve to have our power fantasy outsider art movie <laughs> created. And this is his. And it's inspiring. And it's technically bad, but it's not bad in the sense that he delivered on exactly what he intended to do. And that's why he's an auteur. That's- I mean, it's like second to second it's just like riveting um (laughs) even those really long scenes of desert stock footage you're riveting yeah i love those i think that those are incredible like i i feel like in many ways this is his best movie because it's more like artsy or it feels more artsy because of all the stock footage which is a huge difference from his other films when he had a little bit more money and was able to um hire actors for you know more than like 30 seconds um and you know with this it, movie it feels like an art film at times it does I, I think. and like i don't know i think that he has a vision and um you know who knows like how self-aware like he became after this that people thought of his movies as quote-unquote like midnight movies or you know beef b films so bad it's good movies but like when he was creating this he wasn't thinking of that that that's what this would become even though he kind of like in the in, like tommy Wiseau did took claim and ownership over that status which he now is sort of rejecting which is interesting we can talk about that later but um this was like this is you know this is his soul we're seeing this is his dreams out there mm-hmm. that he probably had no idea this many people would see it and that's why it's great. It was really interesting to me too watching this alone. I, I'd never watched a Neil Breen movie like by myself with my laptop before. Like I always watch these in a big room full of people. Like we we were able to screen one of these at our family movie night, like our long running weekly free movie series that we did for a while. Um, and I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's just a blast. Like. I mean, this this is one of those movies that just really, you know, could like bring a room of people together around a movie, which is always so fun. But um, I mean, watching it by myself and just kind of sitting and like being able to pause it and also just to kind of like flow and not have a bunch of people around and laughing, it felt so different. It did really feel, it felt more art house for sure and more like, it was almost like meditative at times. I mean, because his voice mm. is so even <laughs> and like, there's no, it doesn't ever peak. It doesn't ever like gutter. I mean, it's just, it's a very <laughs> like his, I mean, and he is just, it's just his voiceover for so much of the film and like so much, uh, there's so much stock footage. 
so many long takes of him just like scrambling down rocks or up rocks or down <laughs> rocks or sitting in a car. It's it's so it's it's like slow meditative cinema for so much of it, which I was not mm. expecting to like experience with this mm. film when I watched it. David, may I suggest watching it on five laptops? <laughs> you may, and I will absolutely do that. And also watching it on six flip phones <laughs> at the same time, too. Um, so Brian plays hacker Aaron Brand, um, who is a uh, trained... And self-trained killer slash technological genius. Um, his The love of his life, who he met at age seven, was killed uh, at some point um, with a sniper rifle at a um, Las Vegas resort pool. Um, <laughs> with, yes. She sniped at an in a thong. At an indeterminate point in time. <laughs> um, and now he <laughs> eats tuna out of a can while driving around as a assassin slash biological terrorist for hire. Um, and basically, for the length, of, the whole length of this movie, he just um, is haunted and or primping about his hacking skills for like an hour and a half straight is that is that about right he's what he's haunted by his hacking skills would you say <laughs> he's haunted and <laughs> he's yeah he's haunted by his lover's death yes and alternately primping about his hacking skills yeah which is what got her killed Right. Because he was so, what was it, like, individually, electronically powerful. And he basically was holding, from what I gather, various countries that he worked for hostage. Where he had, like, right. access to certain either, like, nuclear bombs or, or something that could destroy these countries. And he they needed to check in with him every, what, three days. And so, potentially, they... Just we're like, we're gonna kill your lady, so you can just go cry in the like California desert about it, and leave us alone. <laughs> yes. Um. But I also think that none of this could be real. I, I, I was thinking like a like a sixth sense, not real kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? I think, yeah, and this is, I'm not the first one to, like, posit this, but that, that what we are really exploring here is Neil Breen's, like, f fever dream. Like, he may be on, like, a drug bender, or what I think, and I don't know if anyone's brought this up before, I do think that he is a man that lives out of his car eating tuna out of a can, but it's possible he has mercury poisoning. That can cause delusions. <laughs> and he's always shooting guns that have no magazine in them. They're blank. None of his computers or cell phones work. What are the satellites connected to? The humans, 
the other human being brains in this film <laughs> do not look like they work for the government or any reputable organization. And so I just think that like none of it's real. Um, Chapter two. So let's talk a little bit more about Breen. Um, you think that Breen is possibly 62 years old? That's what the internet thinks. And I also believe this. He looks 62, but he also could be a weathered 35-year-old. His body is so bizarre looking to me. This is not a body shame. This is just an observation. <laughs> His face, everything just falls and moves in very peculiar ways. His hair, but yet he has such youthful fashion. It's very confusing. He's wearing lots of, like, um, cool Wranglers. Yeah, and those tanks. Yeah. He's clearly very proud of his shoulders, as we have seen from other Breen films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, like, sort of feathers his hair in that sort of bad, uh, late 80s, middle-aged person way. Um. Mm, yeah, he's got, like, a disco thing going on. But you're saying he's 62 now and not in this movie? He, yeah, according to the internet today, when I looked it up, that's just what I was told. 62. So, that So, I would means... put him at, like, 45 for this movie. Right. And I be- I buy that. Maybe. Well, yeah. Okay. Do you buy um, that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he seems like one of those like Furbies who's like broken, <laughs> or like uh, the alien Paul from that <laughs> movie called Paul. Um, <laughs> if he's from Las Vegas, he could just be one of those kind of like ageless desert rat people too. That's just Wikipedia does say he's from the East Coast. Really, he looks so weathered. He looks so like like someone dug him up from the desert. <laughs> we saw that scene in this film. <laughs> Although I think he was pretending to be a white collar, a dead white collar criminal uh-huh. in like the field of bodies. <laughs> a literal field full of bodies. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes. Oh my God, <laughs> for sure. Yes. I also take care of eliminated white collar criminals who have escaped the legal system. They get what they rightly deserve, and the fields are full of their bodies. <laughs> he says it so calmly. I don't know if I want to know much about him, though. You know. Okay, here's the thing for me. Why don't we know more about Neil Breen? The internet is really good at figuring out shit about people who are way less interesting than Neil Breen. And we know virtually nothing about Neil Breen. That makes no sense to me. Truly, I looked through the whole Neil Breen Reddit today, and I feel like that's where, I mean... If the information exists, like, it's all going to be there. And there was just nothing. I kind of think, like, 
all around the internet is this like idea that he was like a architect and realtor and then be like had it is now having a second career as like a uh, like producer and writer of his own films i kind of feel like that's not real like i don't think that he ever was an architect or a realtor <laughs> um, also those are two or else separate people jobs. would know him like i think that he had like rich parents and, and is just like living in a like dreamland yeah <laughs> I I am confused because archi- to me an architect and a real estate agent are very different <laughs> jobs. And I remember at one point in my life seeing a picture someone shared of a Neil Breen like real estate ad. Mm-hmm. And so I do kind of buy that he would have that job and use that to fund his first film. That seems like a thing that any young, well, maybe not young, but you know any. Any, uh, I mean, I feel like independent he, like, filmmaker got his could license do. and made some ads and never did anything. I mean, the how did much did this movie cost? It's non-union. A lot of these people are in other films. These are people he knows. If he is a real estate agent, I could imagine him like in. I always want to say Final Fantasy, um, <laughs> the other movie, <laughs> Fable Finding. But, but what just, I'm saying is, like, as a realtor, a, you're a person who is a very social person who is interacting with strangers and friends and family like Mm. constantly and there are no like people on the internet telling us anything about neil breen like there's no stories about him or anything maybe neil breen is he's a pre-digital he's pre-digital i don't know what to tell you he's in the pre-dig he's pre-dig man (laughs) maybe so (laughs) that is a good point though i mean i think that's why he so frequently gets compared to tommy is another enigma who creates confusing films. I don't know. Um, okay. I think maybe we just, and I'm sure someone has done this, but I, it might be a field trip situation. If we're going to like really get to the bottom of this, we got to go to the desert or spend $160 buying his retrospective of five films, which is not a documentary. Okay. And it's, he goes into his whole process, creating those funky rocks out of foam, how he built and designed all of the CGI scenes, and they are absolutely not stock footage that he just bought. <laughs> I, this is why we need a benefactor, because I I don't have $160 to spend on this, but I need to watch it so bad. Maybe we can get sponsored and by... I don't think that there's anything substantive in there, but I just have to to watch it anyways. maybe we can get sponsored by cantuna starkist you out there starkist <laughs> chicken of the sea <laughs> they've got 160 dollars laying around look he I could mean, ha- i think he could have some probably pretty helpful tips for young filmmakers look at him now he's crowdfunded much, a film that had a theatrical release how much did he get crowdfunded tbh i, I saw that um for for Twisted Pair, at least, he raised, like, $50,000 on GoFundMe. Right. And now he's working on a Twisted Pair sequel, apparently. Mm. And we tried to premiere Twisted Pair in Austin. And mm-hmm. Brie never got back to us. He um, I think simply because he's pre-dig. <laughs> um, I mean, we were very 
uh, complimentary of his. Well, also Alamo snaked us, I guess. They didn't really. They just, they have an actual theater and we don't. And that's where he wanted his movie to be played. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Did you see Twisted Pear? No. I haven't seen it. You know there's two Neil Breens in that movie. I do. It's like um, it's like a new Twin Peaks sort of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And one right. of them is With is wearing a, a fake mustache, right? Yeah. Is it the fake mustache right. that he peeled off the guy that he drugged and put in his Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that guy? Certainly. I mean, that's that's one of his tricks from his video that he reveals is that you should always <laughs> reuse mustaches. Um but I mean that's the kind of info that you have to pay one hundred and sixty dollars for. So. That's what I'm asking for for my birthday. I'm just putting that out into the universe. I'm manifesting it. Is a mustache okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the. Where do you have one of those? Oh, oh. <laughs> um. No, the retro. Mainly because so double down. And Pass Through, his first two films, are not available online anymore. And Neil Breen has really cracked down on the web trying to share, you know, any links to those early movies or really anything outside of you going to the respective website for the film that he has created and ordering it from him directly. Or, you know, he's also like anyone using his likeness or creating merch for him he's cracked down on. So unfortunately for our listeners, if you want to hear this film... Just DM us. <laughs> I did. Do you think he just spends all day trying to like take down content about himself? Is that why we don't know anything? I about saw him? some screen grabs of him, um, like sending in cease and desist like DMs to Etsy for various, you know, unauthorized products that he had found. I guess. I mean, he is a hacker. It makes complete sense to me. <laughs> He has to keep his identity covert so that he can protect us. Well, he's not doing a very good job. He also works both sides. So he might be manifesting, like creating chaos that he can solve. It's like those firefighters who would start a fire and then just like go save everybody. What? Is that real? I mean, it's real on like crime tv i don't know if there's actually ever been a real life case Mm. but it's definitely been the plot of something that i've seen on tv so i know that we're moving away from talking about the plot of this film but let me let me go back to it yeah bring us back Um, let's double down what okay so (laughs) let's go back what what does the title refer to in in your mind i i have been thinking about this a lot it's he's kind of like a double agent, right? I he's hired by all of these. He's like a assassin mercenary guy, but then, and he's like rubbing anthrax on people's elbows, <laughs> but then subsequently mm-hmm. also s- trying to save us from bioterror. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so what I was wondering is is he like two people occupying the same body? Um, it, like is is that Certainly. the double? I mean, because he he plays with. I mean, we've got the twisted pair. I mean, we know that there's kind of 
like overarching Neil right. Breen motifs that we can see across his oeuvre. In his cinematic his oeuvre. 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 In his oeuvre. <laughs> um, he has motifs than anybody, <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> that was a blessing. That was um, really good. But, okay, so he... Oh, the old man, David. I bet that is... He, yes, maybe he exists two people in the same body, except for when there's a split in time. And we see that old man in the desert who's like, Neil, you're the one, and gives him that full skull. And he gold. falls in... That's him in the future, yeah. but the... the it That's just his kind looper? Of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's that him. A, that was a gnarly looper. Um, but so he keeps on... I mean, one of the recurring images in this film is that he like over and over again continues to just wake up sprawled out on the rocky desert ground beside his mercedes which is his like desert crawling vehicle with a message scrawled in blood on the door that says help me we see this again and again and again um breen apparently or aaron whatever his name is does not He's like, why do I keep waking up here on the ground by my car in the middle of the desert? So he doesn't know. We don't have any explanation for it. He continually is like in the city for kind of like the scene of the previous day. And then he like wakes up on the ground in the desert. And my other, okay, here's my last, um, (laughs) my last evidence for this, which, um, I kind of think that there's like a, a Mulholland Drive like blue box like puzzle box sort of moment when he uh, uh, drives to that um, like bathroom it, like in the middle of the highway <laughs> and he he walks into the bathroom in his uh, like tank top and Wranglers and then he walks out in his like silk like business casual clothes Oh, and yeah. I, I couldn't help but think, I mean, partly it's just because that scene took so long. Like every shot in this movie just is like, like we saw every thought he had. It just it. like goes to completion. Like you see him drive up, uh, the camera rests for a couple seconds while he walks around his car and then enters back into the frame. Then he walks all the way around the bathroom, goes inside, and then there's a cut, and then he walks back out, walks back around his car, gets back. I mean, that whole scene takes like takes like a minute, so it's hard not to, it's hard to look away from. And I I kept thinking like, maybe this is where his, like transition happens every day. He like comes to this bathroom and he becomes a different person, because after that is when he goes to meet up with like the CIA guy. And he's like giving that guy information about how to stop terrorist attacks. I'm I'm with you. I believe you. I just went somewhere else because it reminded me of the goth um, club I used to go to in Tampa, <laughs> and there was this man named the senator, and he would wear um, a sheer pink teddy and combat boots and just tidy whities with like a semi, and he was like 65, and he would just dance around and smile at you and then after if you were like sitting on the curb outside of the club he'd come out in a full business suit looking like mr monopoly and he'd always be like look at me now and that's exactly what that scene feels like Uh, i really like that this presentation of your alter ego so are you saying this is more like a like a 
Fight Club situation. Oh my or god. Or like a Holy Motors situation. Definitely Holy Motors. More Holy Motors. <laughs> yeah. But okay. like that these two sides of brain are never like acknowledged or brought together and it just it through the end of the movie it's um it's a mystery to him and to us. Why does he at the end of the movie, why does he stop the attack? He's been so like I mean, I guess that too, like he's been so set on on like carrying out this mysterious attack for unknown reasons, and then all of a sudden at the end he decides like with some urgency that he has to stop all the attacks. I I don't know. <laughs> if you're looking for answers, David, I don't know if it's here. Yeah. Um I think that we've I think that we've come to um the why portion of this. Any podcast. questions? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's where we are. Any questions? Um, so this man was in the military at some point. The US military. Because he has right, cause of the twelve medals, medals on his on his denim vest, just <laughs> where yes. you keep your military medals, traditionally. Traditionally, yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions about the bioterror aspect of this, and particularly the anthrax, which, or at least what I assume is anthrax, but looks to be powdered sugar in a plastic bag taped up with like gaff tape <laughs> um and anthrax like if that just gets in the air you're fucking dead right like he's just wearing a single latex glove and wipes it on someone's elbow on the like las vegas strip so he's a murderer he murdered that person right yeah i think lots of people and potentially the entire city block yeah but not himself i uh... yeah i the anthrax thing is so weird like because it pretty clearly dates this as like a weird 9-11 fantasy and they Um, talk about 9-11 too because he is planning something very big bigger than 9-11 or any of the other larger catastrophes we caught in time after 9-11 yeah, but like that's when that this was happening. Is like the anthrax scare thing started a few weeks after nine yeah. eleven, and that's where we all know it from. Otherwise, it doesn't appear in news or media or history ever. Um, Do you think that's know. his origin story? Like Neil Breen himself <laughs> was he inspired by? Because there's those scenes he has. He has all of this like these medals. Like he's this proud war hero. At some point, he is, like, writhing on the ground yelling, I'm an American. I'm an American. <laughs> He's, like, wrestling with these two sides of himself, like, the terrorist and the patriot. Ooh. And and the lover, I guess. <laughs> he contains multitudes. And the wizard, because <laughs> he cures that child's cancer, but maybe doesn't, because he gets a call later being like, she died? What? No. I cured her. Hold on. And then he picks up one of his other phones and just starts talking about 9 Man, this again. is truly the uh, the textbook for a new, um, like, hero's archetypes. We have the hero, the patriot, 
the wizard and the lover. <laughs> and the philanthropist. Oh. I'm just thinking of that song that's like, I'm a bitch. Because <laughs> um, he says he, he makes he makes millions of dollars doing his assassin work, but he, he puts it all towards like children's support nonprofits or hospitals that help children slash mm-hmm. uh victims of natural disasters yeah. like katrina oh he he, he does says. name check katrina yeah it's weird to have this movie tied to like our our, our reality, reality. <laughs> <laughs> like it makes it more jarring i think I, is that the only time that that happens, too? I mean, he says he's an American. He mentions Katrina. They do mention 9-11. Other than that, this... I don't know. Like, I feel like I this movie really resonates with me in 2021. How so? Um, I have a lot of cell phones and laptops. <laughs> um, I am... Um, constantly changing my identity (laughs) (laughs) much like neil brain constantly changes the license plates on his car again another scene that takes Um, so long (laughs) even though we have to see him never takes the car anywhere it's just always in the desert so why is who was Um, at one point i'm wearing just so many hats and masks and I don't know. I feel a lot like brain these days, you guys. <laughs> who who was driving the second Mercedes that came up in the desert beside him? We just saw... Is it the same person whose, like, black shoes we always see? In all of... In, and, well, at least... In multiple movies, yeah. Final... Not Final Fantasy. <laughs> in Final Fantasy, yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy I write this down and post it. Yeah. <laughs> He he also has bioelectric medical implants, he said. Oh, my God. Like, that's what I was picturing him doing. Like, I feel like he is. Is it like a like pacemaker? A, what's. Yeah, it could be a pacemaker, but I thought maybe it was like <laughs> some kind of like control device from some secret organization that's like forcing him to do these assassins and so like maybe that's where david your idea of this internal struggle between two identities is coming from you know like he is implanted to be this um this like super assassin and it's like dollhouse the uh the um that one show then you guys see that okay anyways and um, it's called dollhouse i know (laughs) Anyways, um, the show's so bad. I'm sorry. No, it's I'm great. Stopping. I'm stopping. Okay, whatever. Anyways, um, but him, I feel like the real him comes through in these moments when he has like blacked out, which is like the real him inside trying to rip out these like bio, these little devices inside of him, and then writing "Help me" on the car. Oh, like that's yeah. like that's like the patriot. That's him. That's the war hero, the patriot, mm. the guy who had this wife. Like, what if the, he himself? I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm getting control. I'm getting curious, the other thing about those about like... those implants though was the most traumatizing moment of the movie to me, which was B roll of like disgusting eye surgery, which I cannot handle. And hmm. 
That was horrible. It's like, what do those do? You know, are we living in a world? Is he in a like a minority report world where they like scan your eyeballs if you go into the gap? <laughs> Man, that I feel like I I don't I don't <laughs> think so. That that B roll that stock footage really though was telling like a whole different story. Yeah, all those control rooms. He was like talking to NASA or something. Okay, I have another question related to eyes. Um, can he can he see his hacks? Like I, one of the things he always does is he's like typing on his cell phone and then like he'll look at the satellite and he types on his cell phone and he'll look at the satellite. And I feel, <gasps> I feel like he can plant. maybe see like the data streams like coming out of because he also does it when he's when he's like hacking the train wheels. <laughs> he's down. He's like laying right, under right. the train and he's like <laughs> typing on his cell phones and the laptops and the like. Look at the train wheels. And uh, oh, he for sure. I has don't like understand a- your question. <laughs> He has like a Google Glass. Are you talking about? Is he like beautiful minding? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. No, I think David. He he could be doing that, but I I do feel like that's probably what the implant in his eyes was. It's like a computer screen. Yeah, I think so. He's got like predator vision or something. Oh, that's cool. Um, wait, is that why his eyes are so glassy? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's another eye on top of them. Um, my last question have, though was, who, who was in that body bag? That was my question, David. Who? It was so disturbing. That was to me the most disturbing scenes of the film was seeing some one to two people in the body bag. Wait, what? Which, I thought it was him and his wife boning in like a deflated tent that was zipped. It all did the, way. the first time we yes. see it. It did look like people because that's were, how they like it. Fucking inside of that bag. <laughs> Yeah. But then there was one skeleton, then there was just some hair, and then it would switch back and forth between those. But he never opened it up far enough for us to see who it might have been. And then it was in his trunk, and then it was back on the ground. (laughs) I don't know. It's elusive. This is making my brain hurt. (laughs) Why do we have a section okay. about questions that we can't, we can't answer no, no, any no, of no. them in this okay. segment? Here's my next question. Why does he kill all the fish? I was so mean. I think that was him testing his bio terror on a lake first. I don't think it's hard to poison a lake. Like, <laughs> he's up to like way more interesting, like dangerous shit. Oh, that's when we um, see his parents, right? yes that is exactly right (laughs) that's so weird um i don't but it's also kind of shot beautifully i don't really understand um yeah he sees his parents at the lake and then he goes to like a weird business dinner with a business guy he knows um which is when he uh I think that we should talk about this later. Um, <laughs> what about the couple that he accidentally murders? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> yeah, so what With what strawberries? About <laughs> uh, I did like to okay. see him injecting that strawberry with, with anthrax. 
I must have been with Anthrax. I also loved when he was trying to convince that woman that they got married. And when that he said that they had monologue. sex out by the fountains. Fountain? <laughs> that seems unlikely. Does it? He gets around. He was naked. My next question is why does he eat the tuna while he's driving? <laughs> and why does he... Instead of just eating it he's on a simple the ground man. outside his guard. And why okay. does he have a shot? It why does laughs? he have a shot of it spilled all over his lap? Because that's your levity, David. <laughs> With that's exactly, and that sound he makes, I can't unhear when the, when it falls. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of the tuna goes into him. I think that he spilled all of it. <laughs> he is tuna. Oh my god! It's because he's just like he's got stuff to do. He can't stop and eat. He's just gonna eat. It reminds me of Michael Scott in The Office, how he eats all those fish fillet sandwiches, and his convertible oh is filled with fish fillet wrappers. Man, the dude spends so much time scrambling up and down rocks. Like you think that he could have some time to just sit down and eat a tuna can? No, this man's got no time. Bioterror. <laughs> Can you imagine what that car smells like? <laughs> full, full of tuna fish kids. Foul. No. Oh. No. no, I don't like to think about that. <laughs> okay, I have another question. Um, did his wife live in the desert with him when she was alive? Like, okay, not his wife, his fiance. It seems we like never they were at a resort. See, oh, they lived at a resort? <laughs> yeah. I think, well. I, I totally buy that. Yeah, I was just confused because we didn't see any, that's the only scene we saw of their adult lives. Was her in the Bes- thong? But besides them, like, just being in the desert and in love. Well, they fell in love at know. the age of seven on a playground. We saw that scene. And then, no, I yeah, he was insistent <laughs> about that, which is interesting because also like Final Fantasy, they are they fall in love as no children. what <laughs> what nothing they fall in love as children they look the are same you talking age. about fateful findings <laughs> what <did I> say? <laughs> why can't it be called Final Fantasy? <laughs> It feels like Neil's Final Fantasy. <laughs> no, he's got he's got plenty more. <laughs> and he, there's just speaking of motifs in his films, there's like always him and a child, him as a child with another child falling in love, right. and they look the same mm-hmm. age, and then they cut to them being adults, and he is twenty thirty years her senior, <laughs> oh. yet they are still in right, love. Right, right, Because he's been testing poisons on his body. Oh, oh. yeah. That's like it. uh, like the Dread That's Pirate it. Roberts, exactly. Yeah, it'll come in handy for a contest at some point. I really hope any anyone listening to this has seen this movie because <laughs> this is a incoherent <laughs> rambling of confusion that you will only only understand <laughs> if you've seen it. Like I, we can't explain these scenes to you. I can't. There's no more explanation than our observation of what's happening, which That's is true. nonsense. In my opinion. No, this is just like a, a tone poem. Yes. Um I, I don't know, it's just like a a testament. This is this is gonna sound real stupid, but I'm gonna persevere. Um it's like a testament to the 
the narrative power of like the moving image i think because this this movie makes no fucking sense like not one scene connects to another scene like it is not hang together um whatsoever like i i think that some of the actors even change over the course of the movie like i think that his fiance in the last scene when he's driving away with her in the car is a different person i think maybe he like ran out of money and like had to hire cheaper actors or something but it's still i, I mean i watched the whole thing and i was like this feels like a movie and i think it's just i think it's just purely based on the persistence of like there continue to be moving images like on this screen that I'm sitting in front of. And so like my brain is telling me that this is, it's like a movie. Um, We're um, applying meaning exactly where because you have to, to be able to continue yeah. watching. But it makes sense in terms of, if you just think of like it, like I know it made sense to him mm-hmm. and that's why mm-hmm. this works is because he's like executing his vision and even though there is so much exposition in this film you would think we would know exactly what's going on but somehow that makes it more confusing he never really gives us exposition about what we really want to know oh yeah it's a the vision the vision hangs together i think tanner said earlier that like there's a narrative in this film even when there's not a plot and i think it's i mean like for all of what it is and isn't like it is a very direct and like consistently executed vision which is i mean Mm -hmm. which is like fascinating to watch i can tell you what i think that neil brain would say about all of this um and this is directly from the mouth of aaron brand um (laughs) you know the public perception of what we do for a living really constantly amazes me (laughs) they think All that we do is drive around, get caught up in spectacular car chases and huge buildings blowing up and wild gunfire and so on. That only happens in the movies and TV. It really doesn't happen in real life. In real life, everything we do is done silently, (laughs) undercover, and electronically. The public never knows what we're doing. It's all done in very secret ways. (laughs) In very secret ways. Can I have some water, please? (laughs) Chapter three. How could I have been in Chicago? (laughs) Next, it's time to get into some awards. Um, Up first, the straight to streaming award. The best of lines, the worst of lines. The most emblematic line of the film. Um emblematic in the sense that it is the most straight to streaming how many w- different ways do you think i could say that um i would like to for my first quote pick up on um the scene we were just talking about um when uh aaron brand says can i have some water please <laughs> um because it's my favorite scene and he hands the little girl who, and we don't know who this little girl is, but he hands her a, a glass of water that is half full. <laughs> <laughs> um, asking for more water. And then she asks her grandma if she's allowed to go get him more water. 
And the grandma says yes, and so the girl goes away. And then while she's gone from the table, they tell Neil Breen that the girl has brain cancer. <laughs> and then the girl comes back with the glass of water that is exactly as full as it was previously. And the movie continues, and it's my favorite. Um, I think that my... So my first line is, can I have some water, please? <laughs> and there's so many choices. Wait, like Tater, I got to literally, th- you could throw a, a dart at the script and like exactly every line is a winner. Tater, my, <laughs> one of my lines is, is that scene as well. And it's this, the next bit of the quote. So I got to, I got to cut in here. <laughs> the way, yes. the way that he <laughs> reveals that information is the dad or person we don't know the other adult man in the room says <laughs> says speaking of secrets there is one we want to share with you our daughter megan was just diagnosed with brain cancer and aaron <laughs> says and aaron says oh no i'm so sorry <laughs> wait he calls it a secret <laughs> speaking of secrets <laughs> oh my god do you think all of these lines were written down by neil because sometimes they sound improvised <laughs> like this is the life that he's living <laughs> oh no i do think that they were written down <laughs> um okay my runner up is <laughs> no, no no we're not uh, we're not doing that this podcast is already too long um my second uh, selection is, I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's one of mine. <laughs> it was a perfect line. It's, I don't know. It's just out of nowhere, and it exists so that he can spill tuna on himself as a moment of levity. He loves dr- he is a physical comedian. Like <laughs> Do you remember the spinach scene from Oh, oh I do. Boy, okay. Boy. Everyone go search Fateful Finding. See? Final I Fantasy. Spinach scene. Final Fantasy spinach scene. It's like 30 seconds long. It defies all laws of physics mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. perfect. Um Okay. Um, David, do you want to tell us your second favorite line? Um, yeah. Uh, I think my other favorite line is um, uh, when he is on his way into Las Vegas um, to do bioterror, I guess. And <laughs> this is one of his voiceover lines, and he says, Las Vegas, where anything goes. Enjoy it while you can. I'm about to end it all. <laughs> that was my runner. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I, it's so. I, 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 is that when he's also like, hey, this is Las Vegas, baby? Is that that same oh, time? No, that's when he's, um, that's when he actually, when he murders the wedding couple. That's. I think he's. Oh right, he right, says right. that to her. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, as right before he killed, 
the red wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he, he kills them with strawberries. I have to these are both very brief. <laughs> these are a couple of the the like the the like fantasy, like metaphysical lines. Like there's a whole like metaphysical something like arch to this movie that we haven't even really gotten into because it's maybe the most like nebulous of all but at one point he says when the boy when he's like sees the boy in the field he's like where are you where am i you're me (laughs) i mean i don't fucking know and then that was me the whole movie and then at the end when his fiance is like standing up on the mountain i guess as she does frequently she she says forgive me forgive me make time stand still and then she repeats that later. She says, forgive me, forgive me, make time stand still right now. And um, this performance, I, like, I'm convinced. I would like to remind you that this movie came out before Terrence Malick's tree. I life. was honestly the scene when they are um, like in the lagoon, Iconic. The, like the lagoon scene with the parents. I was like, this is better than tree of life. <laughs> Like I'm more on board for this than every bit of mother, father. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it's a fucking tree of life with a super eight. Like, what can you, like, what can you say? Oh man, yeah, it's great. I have a couple short ones. One came on early when we're just like getting to know Aaron Brand, and he says, "I control access to anything and everything." Even from my little, simple, brilliant setup. That's so good. His pauses between, he wants to make sure he emphasizes each of those words. Well, that's what this one comes from, as well as the pauses, when he he later goes, Hell, I invented half the systems. The secret systems. He says it's so much quieter. (laughs) Yes. He, like, almost says that line under the music that's playing right then. Like, the, uh-huh. the you almost systems. It. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. He's an ASM artist. Um, next award. Straight to streeping. Which performer or element delivers the most big picture slash movie star performance in this movie? Do we know anyone I else's give names it... besides Neil Brain? Like, can... I mean, it's on like IMDb, but like, I'm not gonna read IMDb to you. <laughs> That's a new segment where Tanner reads IMDb to us. Um, I mean, I would be happy to read some IMDb to you. I mean, I. You know, Neil's doing so much here. But I want to give it to his ex-wife because just really any woman that needs to... The the movement she had to make to protect her breasts from being on camera in the scene where she's murdered, nay, sniped in a thong. (laughs) And and which Neil Breen is naked in that scene. We see his ball no. sack. No, we no. We see his ball we sack. We do. Tanner. He's naked. You okay. can see below. I know that we see his ball sack. I'm saying he's not naked because he's wearing like a <laughs> weird penis protector. <laughs> but not his balls? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, you just put okay, <laughs> but not the balls. Like, look if you look under the water, he's wearing a weird like sock. No, like it's like a groin protector thing. I don't know. It doesn't but protect I, I, the balls. Like what? Okay. We Speaking always Speaking of reading Okay, I'm gonna read some IMDB to you because this is <laughs> my favorite part of IMDB is the parents guide. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I <laughs> I would like to read you the parents guide right now. No parents should let their children watch this. Um one under the alcohol, drugs, and smoking section. The protagonist is a biochemist and smuggles drugs, particularly cocaine. I'm not sure that's true. He doesn't do that. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, parents, you know. Um, number two, in the violence and gore category, um, these are, remember, parental guides. Blood is sporadic whenever anybody gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is definitely true. And I love when he's smearing his wife's blood all over his body <laughs> in the pool. He has a fetish for um, that. He loves it. It's great. Um, and most importantly, number three, sex and nudity. There is a pool scene where a female is wearing nothing but a small bathing suit with no top. Her breasts are never visible, but there are several full shots of her back. In the same scene, a male is completely naked. <laughs> I can't believe someone wrote a male instead a of male. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> we don't know which one, but there is a male that's completely nude. Full rear nudity is shown, and in one shot, the underside of his genitals are visible. That's no sexual sack. activity occurs. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> so what? So what? Parent, I, I don't. What parent watched this movie and then was like, "I need." to warn all of the other prospective parents who are going to be showing this movie to their children. I think it's just someone like us that happens to have children and was like, no, no, I got to do something about this. Oh, that's too weird. I don't know. But I think children should see this movie. I take back what I said earlier. Children should see this movie. I feel like it's important to have a healthy sense of skepticism at a young age of the government. Yeah. And of, uh, whether or not nuclear weapons warrant all of the concern. Tanner, I'm glad that you broke your one rule and uh, read, I am, read yeah, IMDb to us. Thanks. <laughs> I felt like this movie deserved for all the rules to be broken because Neil Breen breaks all the it rules. Really does. Wait, so our category, I mean, it's got to be Breen, right? Oh, no, you said you said the woman. That's why we were talking about that. Well, yeah. I mean, Breen executes genius computer loner perfectly, but <laughs> this the woman. I just always feel a certain type of way for the women in the film. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, who need to be like very loving with him. And if that woman had to be zipped inside a deflated tent and fake <laughs> sex movements with him, she was not paid no. enough. I'm a big fan of the guy that Neil Breen meets who appears from the side of a concrete sphinx outside of an office building. <laughs> um, the, is that the Code Orange guy? Yeah, he's only in like one scene, but uh, he's like, he's planning something very big. 
bigger than 9-11 or any of the larger catastrophes recorded in the time after 9-11 that the public wasn't even aware of. Uh With like a New York accent. Yeah. With all the bigger catastrophes. (laughs) I like that guy. I liked him. Um, That scene also, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I loved their, um, it was just their two heads kind of like uh, silhouetted against a bright blue Las Vegas sky. And like the sight lines, like they kept just like looking to one side of the camera and then looking to the other side of the camera and like just like scanning the crowd. It was like it was like Breen was delivering a speech like at the end of, of Fateful Findings when he's like giving his big show stopping oh. speech. But he said he, he does. He does say in that scene <laughs> um, <laughs> as advanced and stealthy as our and he's like he's just speechifying to this one person that he's standing there with he says as advanced and stealthy as our modern weaponry may be it can never defeat a nation's resolve to fight their war on the ground hand to hand by way of guerrilla warfare (laughs) 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 i was like who asked like what are you even talking about speaking of what are you talking about (laughs) He starts, I love this scene, he starts the conversation by saying, I'm not going in your office building. I know they're all bugged. Not to mention the skeleton in there. <laughs> I know. Why is he so scared of bones and skeletons? Oh my God, there's so many human bones just like strewn about. <laughs> wow, that's so true. <laughs> I don't know. I just had to bring that. <laughs> yeah, at one point when he's like running down a hill, there's just like a human leg bone just like like in the foreground of the shot. <laughs> uh, okay, so like my actual answer to this, <laughs> this category, I'm sorry to bring us back to the category, is uh, the best big picture performance is Vegas. Um, uh. Vegas, the Vegas desert. Uh-huh. It's the perfect setting for Neil Brain's um, metaphysical play, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. That's my vote. I think I don't have a real other answer, but I did like those four like government guys that all like s- like <laughs> spoke in a montage. <laughs> They're they're like, empty the hotels. <laughs> it's four of them, and they say in turn, empty the hotels, empty the hotels on the strip, empty the hotels on the strip, empty the hotels. <laughs> he just put every take yeah. in there. That they did. But I just feel bad for all the people that were murdered in this film. Um, like the guy. Who was killed by the invisibility fatal oh force my God. field that exists around Neil Breen's Mercedes? Wow. Oh my God! <laughs> Man, to jump a category that is definitely my dream merch. The invisible car oh, force yeah. field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What other merch could there be? Well, I guess we'll okay, discuss so later. We will. So before then. No, no, no. Let's just move on to retail therapy. Um, what's your one piece of dream merch from this movie? Oh, I did have one more. Um, the other thing that I want from this movie is the 
the carjacking flip phone that he uses to steal the Ferrari. <laughs> oh, yes. If that really works, then that's He's my like, answer. everything's digital. The locks, the starters. I can steal this car. Easy. <laughs> With a Nokia. Easy. Easy. Uh, um, I mean, I think that I would really enjoy the, the magic gold that he gets <laughs> from oh, his looper. But it's fool's gold. <laughs> In the desert. It does appear to be fool's gold. It doesn't cure also, that child. It doesn't cure <laughs> so it doesn't work in the end, right? But it no. would at least make me feel better for a little while, which is what I really need right now. There's a, Yeah, there's a whole subplot of Neil having these mystical superpowers that is like, He's deemed the one by this old wizard in the in the desert who gives him the fool's gold. That man, that's just. But truly, and then the wizard trips and kills himself on a rock. He trips on a pebble and dies. My favorite thing about that scene, though, is that Breen sees him like deep in the cave, pulls out his gun and points it at him, and then decides he's not a threat, and then just like walks on up the hill. Because it's him from the future, David. I am convinced. He, it, in one scene, it even seemed like they were insinuating that he was wearing the same boots as him. They showed like a cut of him laying down with the same shoes. They they look like they're wearing the same jeans too. They got those cool Wranglers. Yeah, yeah that's him in the future because he lives out of his car in the <laughs> desert and forever, chasing the ghost of his dead fiance. <laughs> I mean, he's. I mean, he's just working remotely, like we all are. Oh yeah, he's a what, what do you call it? A digital nomad. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. I don't want anything from this movie in my life. No. Because it's t- too cursed. <laughs> it's all cursed. <laughs> I don't know. Like the tank top looks like it could fit me well, um, but I don't want his specific one. Just like, what's the brand? I'll go get it myself. I'm pretty sure it's just like a, a black fruit of the loom wife beater. But it's like weathered from the sun. It's got that uh-huh. good sun bleached kind of look. Like you mm. know, it's probably really soft. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would take a direct TV satellite, I guess. Netflix is upping their prices. Everyone has mm. a streaming channel now. It's pretty expensive. Like, how much is direct TV? Mm. Probably like 40 bucks a month, right? Mm, probably 150 Okay. Well, never mind. No, this is important for a podcast about straight to streaming content i'm yeah i mean i'd be curious but potentially one of these satellites from his trunk the trunk of his car would be hacked to give me all of the content for free i would assume mm. yeah a hacked satellite would be good it'd be nice to have all the license plates that he has it'd be good for all of your identities mm-hmm. yeah um okay last award are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're ready. Last award. Guess who's coming to dinner? Oh my god. Which character or movie element are you bringing to Friendsgiving dinner? That poor girl with brain cancer. She was like 
so excited that it was cured by this creepy man that came over for dinner and his magic rock. And then, oh, wait, she died, though. Oh, Did she die in the movie? I think we, he gets a phone call, and I think it's, he's like, she died? What? No, I, like, cured her. So, I think she died. I take it back. Uh, can I say no? Maybe. I think I would bring. I mean, would you like tuna for Thanksgiving? <laughs> From a car tuna? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think not. it could. I think it could work. Absolutely not. What in okay. the desert heat? Just sitting there. Tanner. No, but but at at real Thanksgiving though. Tuna is definitely better than turkey. Turkey is the stupidest. Oh yeah, I mean if it's not the tuna from the meat, I thought we were. I guess we're we're playing loose with the rules, and so. Why would you have to go to the desert to eat it? I said, what are you bringing? I to thought this was coming dinner? to me from the desert because that is where it is currently. Oh, well. Okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> if I could just go to Whole Foods and get some fancy ass wild caught tuna yeah okay sure tanner i will eat that when i'm taking okay i see what you're saying tanner you're being a real tuna pusher right now too much tuna <laughs> calm down <laughs> i'm sorry it's just because i'm a vegetarian and i just like i love tuna i ate fish one time this year it was a tuna sandwich from h-e-b and it was so sweet oh that sounds good well, why don't you just start eating tuna again it was one of those antones oh, oh yeah. i've been getting those antones oh, Ooh. oh yeah those are the good the bread is yeah. so good mm. it's like a tur- the turkey one with the pickles and the mustard the original <laughs> that one's Oof. good pickles and mustard you're speaking <laughs> my language <laughs> damn Okay, let's forego everything from this film and go to H-E-B and get some Antones. Man, shout out H-E-B. Shout out H-E-B. Thanks, H-E-B. Heroes. I thought lotus flower was kind of pretty. What's the category The blood-covered lotus flower. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I think that would be really beautiful as like a centerpiece. Yeah, and like a bowl of water. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm into that. I think I would bring the, I think I would bring the old man, the wizard. Um, I just found a couple more. I wrote y'all, my whole notes for this movie is just like a hundred quotes, <laughs> but I, I found a couple more from that scene. Um, when Breen is walking by him, he says, <laughs> he says, "Old man, you don't look like a terrorist to me." <laughs> And then, and then when he walks on up the, who said he was a terrorist? I don't, I don't fucking know. But when he walks up the hill, either. when the old man is trying to get him to come back, he says, "Come back again, come back again. I am your spirit." <laughs> See, I mean, they must be connected. It's, it's either him. him from the future, or his wizard spirit in the moment. But uh, I, it's have- definitely a looper. Like there's. That's the double down. This is yeah. a looper. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm bringing. Real quick sidebar question. Do you have any idea why I would have written in my notes hand acting? Oh, yeah. There's all the scenes 
with the hands that like come into the frame from out of frame. And then there's another scene where... And always in latex gloves. They're always just like latex right, right, fingers right, right. coming in from either side of the screen and they to give each of, other they needles. Kind of like, or... They kind of like twitch. <laughs> like a, they twitch like a little bit. It's just like right, little finger nervous, twitches. Because they're handling bioterror chemicals. Yeah. Oh, that that scene is... Okay. Yeah, there's there's at least two of them. There's that scene where the they're making the switch between... We don't even know who those other people are. They're... I don't know. There's there's one scene with four pairs of hands that all come in at once. And then there's another scene with right. just two individual hands that come in. Oh, and I think I wrote this probably also after seeing the scene where he talks about killing all the white-collar criminals that get away oh, from the justice system. The hand under the and dirt. And he is just a hand under rubble that's like slightly moving. <laughs> the rubble hand, yeah. Minutes. <laughs> that was a long yeah. time. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that person was buried alive under a very thin layer of gravel. Thin layer of pebbles. <laughs> Chapter four. Twenty-three and me. This is where we're going to flex our film brain muscles and determine which two films were really. What we're gonna do is we're gonna each pick two films that we think that this movie is indebted to. And then we're going to select the dynamatic lineage of this film by voting in a democratic system. Who'd like to go first? Uh, 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 Jenny, you want it? Uh, David, you made me scones. You can go first. Oh, okay. Um, David really wants to go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go first. If you say my movie, though, I'm quitting the podcast. I don't I don't think I will. I don't know, though. Um, okay, my first movie is... Um, well, my, the first thing that I need to say in this category is... This is, uh, for me in my head, even more so than usual, purely speculative. Because I don't know if Neil Breen has ever watched a movie before. Um so I don't know that there's lineage to determine, but I think that it's a valuable exercise. So um, my my first choice is uh, Mulholland Drive. Um, I think it could be many Lynch movies, but I'm picking this one sp- specifically because of the uh, <laughs> the puzzle box bathroom that I mentioned earlier. I think um, like mm-hmm. the the moment of transformation um is a very clear like Mulholland Drive parallel um and also um I think Lynch in general because um like the people in this movie do they don't act like real people they also don't act like actors they don't act like they're in a movie, really. They act like they're in some alternate reality that is like happened to be filming at this particular moment. Um, and I think I think Lynch does that really specifically, um, especially in some of his, I, I think, like more esoteric and accessible kind of like indulgent movies, like uh, uh, like Inland Empire, especially. Um, but mm-hmm. the the people just act like so bizarre. 
um, but in a really consistent way throughout the film. And I think the people do that, that in this movie as well. Um, my other one has got to be Tim and Eric, um, which I know was re- started after this, but they had a, a prior show, which I haven't seen, um, called Tom Goes to the Mayor, which, as I understand it, is like mm-hmm. pretty similar vibes to their Tim and Eric show. Um, but, yeah. but that one, that one purely for the casting, like, I, like where the fuck did these people come from? Again, they don't act like real people. I cannot imagine any of these people existing in the real world. Uh, like, the actors. Like, I can't imagine the person that had worn the fake mustache, like, <laughs> like cooking a meal or going to the grocery store. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Neil Breen, like, like, really driving a car or, like, existing in real time. And I, I think the, I don't know, I always feel like that about the Tim and Eric people as well. It's just, like like truly alien humans um so that's what i got is mulholland drive and tim and eric i mean speaking of tim and eric like decker um oh the yeah tim heidecker project uh from the mid 20 teens absolutely references this movie like there's no way that that show and like a tone of that is not somewhat attributable to this movie like i know it's like based off like 24 and like all that sort of like quasi-patriotic machismo bullshit but like there's no way they haven't seen this movie and like borrowed liberally from it and that's huge like those are major like cultural touchstones jenny do you need a moment or do you want to go uh, I'll go. Um, I, I, I mainly have okay. Well, I mainly have one. <laughs> I mainly have one. Um, so my my main pick is The Matrix. Um, mainly because well, one of my favorite phrases from the film, he is so you know individually electronically <laughs> powerful, and that is why you know the sort of system is after him you know so he is this like master hacker who is like basically turns and becomes very like anti-establishment um and there's all these men in suits after him there's obviously like a mystical component there's a big question of like what reality are we Mm. in what reality is he in who is he and then there's the whole thing where the old man calls him the one. Um, and obviously, Neo is the one. So that's mm. my main pick. I love that. And then, you know. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like it pretty much does. But, and then, you know, there's like, there's all these influences, I think, that are brought, like, obvi- yeah, David Lynch is brought up a lot with him. Um, you know, even like Jodorowsky. Like, I thought of El Topo, but I feel like it's kind of more like maybe one of his later movies that I haven't seen. It looks like that he has some more, when he gets more into the, like, Space Jesus kind of, like, themes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, permission to say 
just Elon Musk. <laughs> Permission granted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's my assessment. They they honestly look a lot alike. Alike. They've got the same yes, eyes. They both have... Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. They've got similar weirdly constructed faces that you're like, did they have plastic surgery? Is this just what they wow. look like? Like interesting cheekbone structure. Somewhat confusing age, dating younger women, trying to basically like a genius, but also not really understanding some basic concepts of just being a human being. I love that. Um, man, you guys, those are all really great picks. Um, I am tempted to pick like i said before transmilk's tree of life but that came afterwards so your um, rules to break though tanner you know yeah i I mean i think that would be a good choice but i i do want to say um number one the films of guy madden Mm. um Mm -hmm. Just like true narrative essays in the way that this movie is a sort of fictional narrative essay. Um, you know, centering on a um, sort of like metaphysical character roaming through a metaphysical world. That's a commentary on the country of the inhabitor. Um, and that same sort of like, like alien intelligence, like, piped in from an alternate mm. reality yeah i know that's a little bit of a cop-out to say just like all guy madden films but i mean i've said elon musk so I they're think. all <laughs> guy madden films um man you guys picked a couple of my picks it's kind of crazy um I, i'm gonna say the next one is um I'm once again picking an entire OVR. Um <laughs> I'm I'm picking Jess Franco films. Um Jess Franco was a prolific Spanish filmmaker, um, made like over a hundred films. And they are all they all inhabit this sort of same metaphysical sexual um liminal space slash metaphysical space that Neil Brain is working within. Um they have a sort of like amateurish yet profound and beautiful eye. Um and I couldn't help but thinking of them. Um so that's that's my other selection. I, I could see him watching that. I could see him being really into like <clears throat> erotic cinema, art, artful. <laughs> I don't know, like shot for shot. Like I just kept thinking of like <laughs> Vampiros Lesbos, which is, yes, that's... <laughs> I don't know. It's because that movie is, and, and other Jess Franco movies are confusing because they're like, there's simultaneously like something like kind of like beautiful and profound about them and also 
deeply disgusting and weird and uncomfortable mm-hmm. um and the soundtracks which we haven't even talked about like the music in the old Ray movies but dude I feel like we that's a haven't even talked wow. about that i kept feeling like i was um up at like four in the morning full of pizza and soda playing goldeneye on nintendo 64 <laughs> oh my god goldeneye on n64 would also be a good choice for this because he's clearly influenced by bond oh yeah uh-huh the music made me think of um i don't know if you remember this like running 30 rock joke about milf island <laughs> which is like a survivor <laughs> spoof <laughs> and it's like spoofing the survivor soundtrack which is like similarly like kind of like epic and with the like tacky voice choir that's just like Ooh. <laughs> okay so to recap we have jess franco guy madden film and guy madden films yeah i cheated that's fine i chose elon musk and the matrix <laughs> correct and then i've got tim and eric and mulholland drive American. Oh my god. Um, well, I'll vote first since I picked first. Um, okay. I um, I think I'm going to go with The Matrix and Guy Madden films. Is it my turn? Do you want it to be? Sure. Okay. I really, I, I'm with you on the Jess Franco. I think that's a good, that's a good one. Um, and uh, Mulholland Drive. All right, and I am also gonna pick. Damn, this is hard. I'm gonna pick Mulholland Drive for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the whole like plot structure and flipping um, the sort of like just like double indemnity of it all is is there it's all there the tone is there um, and the matrix which I think is just a clear cultural reference for the movie um, in the same way that I think that this movie is like a, a post 9-11 like anthrax terrorist obsessed movie it's definitely like a matrix red pill blue pill sort of obsessed movie um i mean i i can i don't want to get into neil brain's like headspace and like whether or not he's like schizophrenic but um i think that this sort of like um obsessive emotional viewpoint is pervasive in our culture even till today and you can all you can just trace it all back to the matrix um and even as a person who is deeply concerned with conspiracy theories and the way that they are governing our mindsets today like i can't discount the impact of the matrix on my mind that movie just 
changed mm-hmm. the way America thought forever. Um, it's huge. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely there. So it looks like the computers are tabulating right now. Um, and hopefully they won't take too long because they're computers and this seems pretty simple. But um, what they're telling me is that this movie is 33% The Matrix, 33% Mulholland Drive, 16.5% Jeff Sranko Films, and 16.5% Guy Madden Films. And I think that sounds That is a powerful lineage. Yeah. I would watch that. We did watch that. We did watch that. Yes. We did. We watched it. <laughs> Ooh, we watched, oh, we watched it. it. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Straight to Video. Um, I feel like I have so much was... more to say, but yet nothing at all to say. I just... Yeah. I mean, we'd love to talk more with you guys about this. You know, email us at hyperrealfilmclub at gmail.com. Um, DM us at uh, our Instagram page, hyperrealfilmclub. You know, we'd love to talk to you more about this. Um, Can we do a party watch? Mm. On like Discord this is or something? Uh, um, Where you live stream your screen. That's a good question. I've um, attempted. I've unsuccessfully attempted this, but I know it's possible. Yeah. Um, my bandwidth has been low these days, um, mm. but I would love to try that with you guys. You know, um, we miss watching movies with everybody you know like that's that's why we're talking about no brain films is because like back in the day this is the perfect kind of movie to all watch together you know it's just like Mm -hmm. so much fun it's this movie swings for the fences um despite a low budget it just wants to have a good time wants to be profound we all have a good time we all have lots of thoughts it's perfect this is what we're in for watching movies together being together, hanging out, getting through this bullshit. Um, and thank you, David and Jenny, for being here for me and for being here for us and hanging out together. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. We love you. We love you. spirit.